is it? It's finally happened. England beat Germany at a major tournament. If you're an England fan, take a look around and drink it in. Where you are, who you're with. Because this is one of those landmark football moments that don't come around too often. The next is on Saturday. Onwards to Rome, where things could get better and better and better. Yes, you have not accidentally recorded a podcast about football. This will be a Mid-South Moments uh, related podcast coming up shortly with our guest host, Terry Canova. But given what is happening in my home country, our home country at the moment, it's not possible for us not to talk about the Euros. I'm with Dan Phillips. How are you doing today, Dan? Great. I told you guys last time I was on, it was coming home. And guess what, everyone? It still is. It still is. It still is. We're not quite there yet. We've got two hurdles to come, but I feel like it's like night and day between where we last were. So why don't we go back in time, what is now six, seven days when this comes out, to last Tuesday. And Dan, why don't we we start? So why don't you set set the scene a little bit? Tell our listeners in the States particularly, what does an England versus Germany knockout game mean what's the, what's that equivalent in terms of sporting rivalry and, and how, just how badly have we done against them over the years in those important games yeah so I think you're so England Germany over here people be like well hang on a minute it doesn't really make sense because you know why is it not you know England Wales or Scotland or maybe even England France I guess you, you, you could probably think um and don't get me wrong you know I don't like any of them free either but <laughs> England v Germany I mean, look. Let's be honest. It's got it's it's got its roots in a in a in a slightly something slightly bigger than football in regards to the war. And let's be let's be honest. That probably that probably has something to do with it originally. But what's happened down the years is in when England won the World Cup in 1966, they beat Germany. And then whenever they've played them since in major tournaments. Um, at vital stages in knockout games, yeah, in knockout, yeah, games. knockout games when it's mattered, should we say? Yeah, um, England have failed to to go through, um, and I think it was just twice on penalties. So 1970, we lost after extra time. Italian, Italian 90 World Cup semi final penalties, Euro 96 yeah. penalties, penalties, and World yeah. Cup 2010, we just got absolutely destroyed 4 1. So, yeah. yeah, so when you add in, you know. The, the 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 history should we say of non-football history then you add in the history the fact that we quite often lose to them it's just developed and developed and you know in, in the sport of of soccer should we say we're two big we're two big nations um and you know later on i'll, I'll get on to some comparisons to you know how england are so linked to NFL, or whatever, and what the comparison is. But England, Germany, it's just two, yeah, two two big countries that just. To be honest, I don't, I, I don't actually, I, I think they don't like us either. 
<laughs> I tell you what, it's funny. I'm I don't massively sure because... dislike them having spent a lot of time there, but I feel like there's no one I want to lose a football match to less than Scotland. Yeah. There's no one yeah. I want to beat in a football match more than Germany, if that makes that sense. That is a great way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Because, yes, that is a great way of looking at it because there's no one you want to lose to more because it's the embarrassment of if you lose to Scotland. There's no embarrassment in losing to Germany. Yeah. But beating them just feels so much better. Yeah. And it's been building and building and building. And, you know, I've done, you know, we talk about it's coming home and stuff. And then when you draw them, like we did this time, even, you know, you all say it's coming home, but every single person has that bit in their head to go, it's going to happen again, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to happen again. And you add that element of, you know, you're getting yourself so pumped, but actually you are a bit nervous. So yeah. you, you're adding it in. Whereas when you're playing, which we have done knockout games in the past, the World Cup just gone. You, you 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 sort of go into some of them games and just think, well, we are going to win, and and you have a little bit of nervousness because it's knockout. But I'm not sure I not ever go like, into any England games thinking we're going to win. Yeah, by the way, I think you're more not, optimistic not, than me. But uh, yeah, but not but not like with Germany, right? So it is. Yeah, I mean, it is just. I mean, I mean, obviously in America it's very difficult. See, international in America, your main sports you just play each other. Hmm. So. It's hard to say, and actually, the rivalries tend to be very localized. I mean, I know, like, I know, for example, the Dallas Cowboys and say, I know San Francisco 49ers don't necessarily get on very well. They're not necessarily near each other, but that's to do with success. Mm. And and it's you know, you're a bit like over here. You Man United and Liverpool don't get on. Okay, they're both in the north, but they're not their nearest clubs. But they both no, don't get on because they're both yeah. they both. Don't, they both hate playing each, no, hate each other or, you know, there's a rivalry because of success. Yeah. Um, which I would say the Cowboys and Steelers rivalry is. But this isn't about that because we've only won some, we've only won the World Cup once. Well, we're, we're um, like, I said to your messages, I, I, the Boston Red Sox, their, their kind of drought went on a lot longer than ours. Ours is 55 years. But as a major footballing nation, and we talk about, you know, it's coming home and there's a song 25 years ago that came out that was kind of a bit tongue in cheek and, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, we're always going to probably going to lose, but, you know, hopefully, you know, one day. But we've had an awful time as England fans, like a really, really dreadful, dreadful time. And we celebrate, no one celebrates failure quite like we do because we we eulogise two semifinals, three semifinals really now in terms of in terms of what happened three years ago in the World Cup as being the best summers of our lives. Yeah, three, there's like movies made three of failures. Yeah, yeah, documentary after documentary after documentary. And you, I, you, we remember that. I'm, the day of the Germany game, I watched a documentary about Euro 96 25 years ago. We lost on penalties to Germany. And I was like, you know, in tears thinking about that that absolute unbelievable pain. But so what so we, we, well, actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not spoiler alert. So I had a ticket with a few friends to, to the Germany game. Why don't you tell, tell the listeners about your, your afternoon as of about well, well, 30? Yeah. Well, my Tuesday was, you know, I was working. I had my afternoon all planned, you know, I, uh, I was going to see, going and watch it with some friends. Um, I was going to leave my house, get a train about, I don't know, quarter to three, uh, I've got me, I've got my shirt ready. I've got everything ready. Right? To be honest, if you if you were looking from the outside in, you'd think, well, this guy must be going to the match the way he is gearing up for this match. Uh, but like anything, I was going to the pub. But as as football is over here when England play, people go to the pubs 
that is one thing they do know. Everyone's wearing a shirt. Yeah. You you go to the pub or to your friend's house like you are going to the game, right? Um, <laughs> more and, more so for England games, I think, isn't it? Everyone is wearing England, yes. England shirts for England games. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. When you when you if you're going to watch your yeah if you're going to watch your club team down the pub or whatever, you you might wear a shirt, but you probably wouldn't. Um, England, it's sort of just a standard. Everyone everyone's yeah. at it. Children women children adults whatever um so i'm ready to go anyway phone goes half past one to which i see see steve's name come up and i knew that he'd been out since 10 10 10 30 and <laughs> it wasn't quite as early as I, that but yeah, I, yeah, I know some of you obviously none of you american listeners have been out on the beers with steve but i looked at the time half past one done the maths he's been out for uh three hours this is this is half past one, and I've got I'm getting a drunk phone call. Wow, this is this is this is good even for him. So I answer it on the assuming that is what I'm going to get, and I just get a what are you doing? Do you want to come? To which, first of all, do you know what? Normally you'd think people oh, go mad, but you can't go mad, right? Now, just to put this in perspective, Steve here, everyone is probably the most organised individual and like thinks about every possible what something that could go wrong than I've ever met. So I should have just thought for him to say, do you want to come? It will be fine. I should have took that as like, he's definitely thought of everything that could go wrong here. <laughs> yes. But I didn't because I was also thinking, is he, is he drunk? And actually, wow, this is massive. Oh my God. This Basically, is oh my one God. of my, one of my friends, unfortunately, his son um, had a, had a, fall, a fell over at school and had to go to hospital, but he's thankfully he's completely fine, but he had to take him. To I knew he was so. going to be all right when I tripped him up. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> um but yeah uh, <laughs> um but so now this is the thing so you think to yourself okay well you know he's got you a ticket you get to the ground meet him and but the way things are at the moment it's not yeah. normal football no. so i'm then texting steve like i've never texted someone so much before all the different protocols i'm on wembley's website so what you've got to do is you have to take a covid test um where you get the result in sort of 30 minutes then you've got to get an app for the for the ticket to transfer and and all these different things that you don't normally have to do and, and don't go wrong as it turned out it went pretty well the issue i had is my wife wasn't in um and you know as much as i this game is uh and you know a bucket list type game to watch england watching england in a major tournament is always a you know, would always just be a continual tick of a bucket list. Mm. But against Germany is something different. And at Wembley, you know, as much as it's a bucket list sort of thing, I don't know if leaving my two-year-old daughter home alone until my wife got back <laughs> would have would have would have justified no. this to anybody. No, I don't think anyone on this podcast would be going. If it was England what a man. Germany, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Really, so I said to him, "Look, I've got to wait. I've got to wait." So. She comes back just after two o'clock to me, fully ready to go, um, pacing up and down the house, asking her, I need to go and get a COVID test, to which she's a teacher, so she had some. So took the test, um, half an hour for the results, said, we've got to go. I get the train. She drops me off. I get the train. I've got, I'm sitting there with a, me test on one hand, my phone with the ticket come through on the other it comes through negative happy days i then get and then i i'm playing oh, you, my... you took the little thing with you because it wasn't 30 minutes yeah because I, yeah, I didn't I, I covered every base going i covered every base going oh i took a photo God. of it i took a print screen of things 
I, you know, I just didn't want to risk anything. And then I got to, I'm on my phone sort of looking at every possible route, you know, how can I get out of there? And I saw a route from Clapham Junction, which a lot of you won't know, but it's, it's one of the busiest stations in the UK. I think it claims to be the I think busiest, it's the busiest it? station in Europe, maybe, but it's not yeah. in the UK, yeah. yeah. And it's not miles away, actually, from where we live. And um, I saw a new route. And I've never, I've been to Wembley many times, but never taken this route. And I thought, you know what? This route says it's 27 minutes. Changed once. Brilliant. I'm having that. So I had 12 minutes. Now, for the listeners, you won't notice about me, but some of you will. I like a drink. <laughs> and because I'd been caught off guard here, because uh, my original plan was I was going to have a couple of beers at my de- at my home desk and then get on the train, all relaxed, have a few cans on there, get to the pub. At this rate, I'm looking at getting to the game without a beer in my system. Just to let you all know, that is not something I'm prepared to do and not something I think I've done for at least a good 10 years. So I had 13 minutes to which I ran as fast as possible could to near soft license, picked up four pint cans of Budweiser. So you'd all, so, you'd all so know what that is. Yeah. yeah. And um, which are currently branded with England badges actually over here. Um, ran back, got on the train. And I'm hit with a electrical fault further down to which I'm then looking through my phone. I then did something that I don't know if this is something that all people do or just Brits, but I went to go, right, that's it. I'm going a different route. I can't afford this. And then I, as I'm walking down, I'm looking and other people aren't going. Yeah. And I done the, I done the thing of, well, they're not going. I'm not going to go then. And I don't know why people do it. Cause you just, you just don't, you just think, what if, and fortunately, it then got moving. And just to clarify, with that added bit of nervousness, I drank them four pint cans in 14 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I was very well lubricated by the time I got to I don't know you train. can wet yourself on that train. I mean, it was, I couldn't, not, I mean, when I got on the connected train, um, I got on and I was so in my own well worried about getting there. I should have started to tweet, well, hang on a minute, I'm getting on with other England fans now. But I just couldn't let it rest until I got in. Also, the ticket at a time you should have been in by, which I was well past. But yeah, yeah. Steve told me not to worry. And, you know, anyway, when I got on the second train, I got met with Gaza Give Us a Song, to which I was looking around me, forgetting that I was wearing my brand new Paul Gascoigne 1996 replica shirt, to which I then had to come up with a song, completely bottled it and just sang It's Coming Home, which I was disappointed in myself <laughs> um, retrospectively after. Um but I sat with these guys there and then walked up to the ground, a bit of a longer walk. Anyway, 20 to 5, which, to be honest, is actually not normally quite quite relatively early for, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no queue. I flashed my uh, COVID test, which, if I'm honest with you, could have been a picture of a dog. Yeah, no one looked yeah. at it. Don't even know I bothered. I guess their view might be, are you actually going to get all the way to this front gate and show us a positive test? yeah. yeah. No, uh, my ticket activated. I then rang my dad to surprise him I was coming, but someone had already told him. So that was <laughs> so that, that surprise. Uh, it was my dad, just to let you all know, he, he sort of goes home and away of England. So he was in the ground, but um, obviously he knows Steve very well as well. So anyway, don't get me wrong. It was absolutely amazing. At half past one, I got a phone call, would you like to come? And at half past four, I'm standing three hours, with Steve. Right? It was three hours. I'm standing, yeah, three hours. I'm standing with my dad and Steve. With a beer because they staff it, Wembley's half full, but they staffed it like it was full. Yeah. So you got served in double time in theory. 
and I just thought this life don't get any better than this right yeah. now and well, I was did, wrong it? it got massively better yeah. which I'll now hand you back that was my manic afternoon which was just incredible so I mean, we won two 0 but that doesn't really tell much of the story. I, is that is that the best? And you don't. This is difficult to answer. I was, I was having this conversation with your dad the other day, actually, on messages. Is that the best best experience at a football match in your entire life? Um, the only one that would come close would be Fulham's. Yeah, I think it. I think it's number one. I'm Playoff really, win. I've never the been only... more tense in my life. That between the first goal, we scored our first goal after maybe 75, 73 minutes. And then yeah. we scored our second 10 minutes later. I'd say I've never been more tense than that 10 minutes in between the two goals. And the second goal going in, the most jubilant I've ever been. Yes, I think I think if Fulham had... So when Fulham won at Wembley, so my dream was to watch Fulham at Wembley, as I know it was yours as well, but Fulham only won 1-0. So I think because we didn't get that second goal, yeah, I never relaxed. Mm. So as much as I enjoyed scoring, we scored early. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we scored in the first half, didn't we? Yeah. And I never relaxed. So therefore, I could never, I never felt like I was truly enjoying the 90 minutes. Like yeah. The after was incredible. Yeah, agree. But, but with England, because we scored once, do you know what? And also a difference, just, I know it's Germany and stuff, but the other difference is, I think because I support a side like Fulham who aren't a top side, when I'm watching England and they take the lead, and I know this should be wrong, but... There's something in my mind that still goes, look at these players. They are miles better than what I watch week in, week out. Surely, I don't know. I just have this maybe a little bit more positivity than I do than I watch oh, with my own team. I don't. Uh, so I sometimes I, I think I do because I look and go. Because I'm used to us being rubbish and always losing. I think oh, no, I, ne- I, ne- I never count my yeah. chickens. But I just had that little bit more air of, nah, they're all right. Then again, yeah. Germany missed an absolute sitter. But because we got the second goal... I think I was able, Not it weren't very long time, what, about 10 minutes, was it? 10 After minutes, scored, yeah. Yeah. I had that moment of just, well, I think I remember shouting to you, we've done it. Yeah. At 2-0, yeah. we were not losing. We I like we've going, done it. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, we've done it, which meant we, the game was still going on and I was enjoying myself. Yeah. I was relaxed. And because of that, it, it might have been better because I had more than just the full-time whistle and that I, I was able just to relax and just be like, this is brilliant and watch the game and cheer and celebrate, not just like, come on, ref, hurry up and yeah. checking your clock every two minutes and head in your hands. Didn't have any of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, like put it this way, when we scored the second goal, um, I done my customary jump on Steve, which I think I've mentioned this thing before. I sit behind him at Fulham. Um, and and when we got into the grounds, yeah. He said, oh, you're not in our row. I think you're in the row behind. And I was in the exact seat behind him. If yeah. that's not a sign, I don't know what is. But I've done my customer and got the second jumping on him, which I always do. But this time, there's a little bit more space at Wembley in the seats than there is at Fulham. So when I went backwards, um, the gap threw me a little bit and I landed straight on my backside. <laughs> and I'll tell you now, I had this moment there where I was lying on the floor, looking up at the sky and you had that moment where you felt everyone around. I just felt like, you know, it felt to me like 30 seconds. It was probably three seconds, if that. But I felt like everyone around me was celebrating, going mad. And I was just lying there and just thought, I'll just stay here. This is amazing. I, I'll just stay here, thanks. I don't need to get up. Life's getting no better than this right now. Yeah, let me stay here um, forever. Yeah. And I did get up. And um, as I found out the next day, when I got up from lying down and decided to sit down, um, 
the bruising from doing that. I've and, got uh, bruising the back of behind my knees as well on my upper thighs. Yeah, yeah I've got on my back of my thighs. My my yeah. backside is is quite purple. Yeah. So, but I just took that moment in, and yeah. for me, I just had that moment. And then the game finished, and just had plenty of times where I was just looking around, and then you know they played songs after it was just it was just incredible it yeah. was just absolutely incredible and, it, and it's actually quite amusing that i'm debating about these two games that i would put in my top sort of top two moments of my life outside you know if, you know when people got you know family and kids and stuff and uh you were you were both of them with me mate so yeah, you know i can't yeah. you know i'm not sure if that's you know people on the listeners going god poor bloke but you know <laughs> that's but that, that's the truth for the truth of the matter so yeah it was it was some day i mean you know what? I mean, you, you know, you hit us with your thoughts, mate. How how you were feeling at the different I, different times? It just was the most. I think it's it's all about context, isn't it? That, as I said, I think it's a sport. And like any any sports fan that's listening to this, you you whether you support the most successful team, there'll be a moment where the Yankees won't have won it, and you felt so much pain or whatever. And the pain is is it, for some people that don't get it will think this is ridiculous. But the pain, the unbelievable pain of being an England fan, is like. It's hard. It's hard to put into words how much those you're a kid and you lose and you, you get knocked out. And you have your dream shattered. You think next time and you lose bloody. You lose at ten. I lost at ten years old, fourteen. France '98 and I was sixteen. Euro 2000 kicked out in the first stage. 2002, I was eighteen, devastated. It's just like it's just a constant, constant, constant thing. So yeah. To get through that game, we're not there yet. We won. We won the. We won the quarterfinal four 0 against Ukraine. We're playing. What will be tomorrow night the semi-final against Denmark, and then whoever wins that will play the winner of Italy and Spain. But I feel like it's time. Uh, I may live to regret these words, but it's time to, you know, break break the bad of the past and and actually change things. And I feel like this team is is doing that. So let's keep our toes, our legs. Anyone listening to this in the states, you know, give us give us some good vibes. Send us some good vibes because we need all the luck. Uh, Wednesday and then hopefully Sunday. So yeah, all we can say is we'll keep everything towards. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, I don't even know if I want to do predictions. So we're not we're not going to do predictions. So I don't want to put the mockers on it. But I, I was gonna I, w- I was gonna I was gonna just sign the Americans. You think I still don't know what they're or, what they're. Uh, you know I can't understand what these two Wally's are talking about. <laughs> I did do a little bit of research in in the NFL. I tell you what, it's spookily when I looked at that looked at this. The New York Jets, right? They won the they won Super Bowl three in nineteen sixty eight. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay? So that would be our sixty six. All right. They then got to the AFC Championship game, the equivalent of the semi final. Yeah. Right. Uh, four times. All right. Dolphins in eighty two, Broncos in ninety eight, Colts in 09, and Steelers ten. England four times. Nineteen sixty eight of the Euros. Okay, there's only four teams in that, yeah. but nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety six, two thousand eighteen. Right. And what I'm trying to say is, so the Jets won it in 68. They've only really come anywhere near four more times and they still haven't done it, right? Yeah. That is to put in perspective what Steve was saying about how, you know, it's constant. It, you know, Steve then listed all these different times of his life where England have let him down. You're a Jets fan. It's that, <laughs> right? It's it's a very similar thing, you know. Yeah. It's that long, you know, to try and put the time into perspective in, from a sports analogy, it's that long. Yeah. It's that, you know, the odd glimpse here and there. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the Jets have done a DVD of their four AFC championships of these. I suspect they haven't. To again, mm. put in perspective what we meant around, you know, 
those are heroes. The, the, those guys correct. that got to yeah, yeah. are legends and heroes. Yeah, and they live off that. Yeah, and, they, and, they, and it's not for any fault of theirs. They, they all gave. They all like worked their bollocks off in those those tournaments. And some of those tournaments we weren't we were not not fancied at all. We weren't favourites, any anything like it. We were miles away, but we somehow managed to get our way through various things. But yeah, let's just hope this time yeah. um, is different. And then and, and then I thought, hang on a minute, I'll tell you what I've got to do. I can't not, I can't not somehow link this to wrestling for everyone. Go on, yeah. So this is my this is my this is my small attempt to try and link a wrestler to the England team and I'm going with the big show (laughs) and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why in 1996 the big show won rookie of the year and wrestler of the year okay big show and to put in perspective what happened you know the big show he rocks up into town turns up and he's winning stuff England turn up 1966 win stuff people are going here we go we're going to win stuff forever. Big Show arrives on the scene, wins things. Then what happens? He does nothing. But listen to what I'm saying. His name is The Big Show. Yeah. England are a big draw in every single tournament. I don't care what people think. People knowing England are in it. Here we go. For a perspective, a Royal Rumble turns up. The Big Show turns up. Everyone goes mad. Oh, Mike, it's The Big Show. Who's going to get? Who's going to knock him out? Who's going to knock him out? They do. He goes out eventually. That's us. <laughs> we rock up to these tournaments. Like the Big Show would rock up to a Royal Rumble or to a triple threat match or to this sort of match. And the commentators would lose their mind. Oh, no one's beating him. He's the Big Show. How many times did he win the belt? Twice. Right? He won it in 99 and 2002. Right? But if we will remember how he was viewed, he was viewed as he's the Big Show. This is it. He is unstoppable. potential, never quite lived up to yeah. his feeling. Yeah. yeah. Every time he turns up, everyone loses their mind. He also won Most Embarrassing Wrestler of the Year in 2002. And for anyone who watched England in 2002, we got not to have a tournament because our goalie got lobbed from about the halfway line. <laughs> There's too many parallels with this guy and England. I so like if it. I was to say a wrestler, the Big Show is where England's sitting. The difference is, and more, maybe the link, Big Show's rocked up in AEW. He's a new man. <laughs> he's winning in life again. He's the winning in life. He's got, one, yeah. he's got a fresh start. This is us. We're we're the AEW of the of the of the football world. We're gonna we're gonna be you know we're knocking on the door. We're 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 causing we're causing the other countries the other countries of Vince. We're causing them problems. Germany with Vince. See you later. See you later. <laughs> I'm not saying England to we're Tony Khan, through. but I'm saying we're coming for yeah, you. We're not we're saying for Tony you. Khan. Well, yeah, no, I really like that. I've got no idea. I know this. I'm saying this way too early. Some of the stuff I'm asking Terry in the next bit of this podcast is going to be very confusing because I recorded that with him 10 days ago. (laughs) But I've got no idea what sort of episode you're going to get next week. I've got no idea when Beach Blast is coming. We'll do it at some point because we can't can't let people down. But Beach Beach Blast, Beach Blast might be our version of how you met Steve, how Steve Foggart met his wife. About five people will get that. Um, But yeah, Dan, any final words before we get on out of here? I can't not end with with the immortal it's coming home. Well, I hope it is. <laughs> Everyone listening, keep your fingers crossed and uh yeah, let's let's hope that by the time you, you hear me again we'll uh we'll have won it. Cheers all.
We welcome back to the show today, Terry Canova. How are you doing today, Terry? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yes, it's 9am your time, so some morning podcasting. Um, and our Transatlantic Trios partner, Phil Stigal, couldn't make the recording today, but I'm sure the three of us will be back on together soon. Um, a quick question for you, Terry. And when this is airing, this is we're, we're recording this probably about 10 days before it comes out. So England's European Football Championships could be well and truly over by then. But what, is, this, is this registering in, in, in the US in terms of uh, the soccer tournament going on at the moment? Or is it in the news? I know it's not as big as the World Cup, but I just wondered what it was like stateside, really. You know... I'm, I'm probably not a good person to ask because <laughs> I really, I really pay no attention to, to a whole lot of anything, right, you okay. know, I, I just, uh, I'm in a bubble, you know, we just wrapped up uh, our summer basketball mm. and, uh, and, and, you know, for, for the team, my coach, and, and I, I'm just in my own little bubble, yeah. <laughs> uh, spend, spend a lot of time on YouTube and, uh, and, and listening to podcasts. And so, I'm really not a good person to ask. So oh, I, no, I, no worries. No worries. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's um, well, when, when this comes out, it's the day of the first semifinals, which are, so the weird thing about it this year is like the World Cup, it's usually held in different places. So what's so one place is the host, like the USA was in 1904 and, uh, and USA, Mexican, Canada will be in a few years, but this Euros is all over the place all over Europe in different places. But England have had quite a lot of games so far. So we had all of our first round games, our last 16 game. And then if we get through to the semifinals, the semifinal and final is here as well. So it's kind of a little bit like a home tournament, which we've not had since 1996. So it's quite a big deal. Nice. But I'm probably going to do a bit of a preamble at the start of this based on <laughs> what happens in the last game or possibly two games so this is all going to be very confusing if you've been here from the start but it's all good let's get on to something we certainly have in common and that's our love for mid-south wrestling so um we're going to go back in our time machines to july the 6th 1985 to the irish mcneil's boys club in Shreveport, louisiana as per usual and to jim ross and joel watts at the desk and this week we have the fantastics a newcomer in al perez jake the snake and the barbarian Steve Williams versus Wendell Cooley and Kamala is in action with Zambui in a tag team plus two title matches. Terry Taylor versus the Nightmare for the North American title and the Snowman defends the TV title against Dutch Mantel. So this is an absolutely loaded show. And the North American title match is due to be up first and Boyd is the ring announcer in a very demure blue jacket, but jazzing it up a bit with his tie. Um, and Eddie Gilbert cuts off Boyd and says this will not be a title match. Um, Taylor said he signed a contract as such and protested this. Um, but Gilbert basically said, yeah, this is not, not for the title. You've had your title matches um, and you're not getting one now. And Ted DiBiase came out and said the nightmare was right. He said he never, Ted DiBiase never got his rematch from Taylor and they fulfilled their obligation to Terry Taylor. And DiBiase said he's not taking anything away from the nightmare, but he still wants that belt back. He then challenged Taylor and said whoever won the match could get a shot at the title. Taylor said there was nothing he wanted from DiBiase, which led to Ted slapping him. And that was enough, this impromptu match to start. Before we get into the match itself, what do you think of this kind of bait and switch opening and the various promos that happened here? I, I, I thought it was good. I thought, I thought it was really good. Uh, if, if it's okay, forgive me. I, I want to go back in a time machine two weeks. Yes, because, go ahead. Because I was listening to you guys on my drive yesterday. Yeah. And and you were being so blasphemous with <laughs> Dick Murdoch. Oh, no. oh, actually, what? You can't blame that Dan was worse than me. I thought this you, might get a bit of a reaction. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so it, I, I got a big kick out of it because, you know, yeah, you you and Dan, yeah, and particularly Dan, 
<laughs> blame Dick, Don. Blame Don. <laughs> Dick Murdoch is literally top five all time in my all time favorite wrestlers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now and so as I'm you know as I'm listening to you guys, I I really think he's one of those guys where you had to be there. Yeah. Uh, and and the reason I say that is because he doesn't come off looking great on TV mm. as far as physique. Uh, he's not a pretty man, uh, but he was one of those guys that were just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, so much fun live in person. I, I even went back and watched the video again that you guys were talking about on, on, the, on the podcast. And I think he uses so many references that are obscure that he has talked about in the past. Right. So, okay. so I think, so, you know, so someone like you and Dan who aren't familiar with him, you hearing these words and these references is like, what the heck is he even talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like he, he uses the term hoot nanny, like a, a, a hoot nanny is like a, it is almost like a dance that they would have back in the country, maybe in a barn and a lot of beer drinking and just country ass kickers for lack of a better term. And, and it's a term that I've heard him use time and time again. Well, if you've never seen Dick Murdoch, you wouldn't even know what the heck he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so I just got a big kick out of it because, because he is literally one of my all time favorites. And I think it was right around this time frame that I saw him wrestle uh, Ted DiBiase in, a, in a, a live arena match and literally goes down as one of my favorite matches of all time that I've ever seen live and in person. He, he was just incredible. And if you listen to a lot of the experts and podcasts and anybody, a lot of people thought he had the, had the ability to be a world champion. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. I knew that this guy. I knew he was a big star, um, but I guess he 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 falls in the category of um, his run in the WWF was pre their expansion. So pre basically pre WrestleMania one is kind of lo it's more it's less lost now because of YouTube and WWE Network etc. But pre WrestleMania one is WWF is kind of lost. Uh, if you know when you're growing up in the nineties and two thousands, it's just not you know there's no tapes, there's nothing. Um, and then obviously his his original Mid South run, I guess, was before this, wasn't it? Before this one, um, and this is his yeah. what second Mid South run. I'm just looking for that Ted DiBiase match. He had some matches with DiBiase uh, in around Christmas '85, and then before that, he had some matches in '82. Uh, yeah, some singles matches in '82 as well. So, um, I'm, and also actually looking at it, he did have some. Um, many, many tag matches as well. So, that, yeah, lots lots of times that the, those two went up against each other. I, I, I don't remember the exact date. I, I remember it was in the St. Bernard Civic Center, which is, it, it, it's kind of a, an outreach of New Orleans. Mm. So sometimes, once in a while, most of the time, it was in a municipal auditorium in New Orleans. But then once in a while on Monday nights, it would be in the St. Bernard Civic Center. And so that that's where it was. And I, all, the only other thing I remember about the, the leading up to the match, because uh, they switched, both of them switched often from good guy to bad guy. I remember that DiBiase was the bad guy. And uh, Murdoch, it was kind of like the teacher-student angle. And, and, it, and it made me think of it because uh, 
in the interview you guys were referring to, he mentioned mentions how he got DiBiase in college. Yeah. And so, so I, I feel like it my it was probably around around this time that 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 match occurred. It's interesting because I can see not to skip too far ahead, but it appears that there's certainly a, a kind of a, when you see the names, there's, there appears to be a bit of a switching of of roles in terms of sides. I guess I know that Dibiase is. Um, there's a, there's a, I don't want to spoil alert. There's a, there's a right. Ted DiBiase spot, um, turn at some point in the near future. But yeah. yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing more of Dick Murdoch. And actually, I, I think I said on the show, I thought it was more impressive. I liked his in-ring stuff more than the promo. But the thing is, if you picked, a, you, you could pick a Steve Austin promo from. You pick one Steve Austin promo from 1997, and I rewatched all of that. I watched every. Uh, every everything with Bret Hart and everything with Steve Austin in it from Survivor Series 96 to Survivor Series 97 in the last couple of years is something to do. And some of the Steve Austin, you think Steve, you think Steve Austin, everything's going to be absolute gold, but you pick to pick a random one out there. He doesn't have, every yeah. week's not a gold, you know, a golden. So all I've seen is this tiny, tiny little kind of, you know, grain of sand of this guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing some, some more of his stuff. Um, but yeah, going, going back to this show, it was interesting that they, they pushed this title match hard, but then we didn't get it. But then what we actually got was probably actually even better. So we, we ended up getting a really long and really good match between um, Terry Taylor and um, Ted DiBiase here. Though I didn't think the crowd were as into this as I, I expected them to be. What did you, did you, did you spot that with the crowd? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with the crowd. Uh, I actually went back and I, and I watched that match maybe two or three times. I mean, it was, I, I agree, it was a really good match. I mean, mm. everything was snug. It was a hard-hitting match. You know, it was one of those matches, because a lot of times on TV, you kind of get the condensed version of a match. Whereas if you saw it at the arena, you know, they give them more time to work and more and more time to, uh, you know, get things across. Yeah. I thought they gave them plenty of time on TV and it, and it was a really, really good match. Yeah, this went 11-20. One thing, interestingly, from, from the crowd as well, I don't know if you spotted this, but I thought there was a go Terry go chant and then a followed by a no. So there was a go Terry go <laughs> and then a no. So I guess some of the guys in the crowd were chanting no. And I've I've heard a few things around the, around this time in terms of people getting behind Jake Roberts, DBRC, Steve Williams always gets a good reaction. Obviously, he's a you know local boy, etc. But this is kind of early heel fans, I suppose, isn't it? In terms of did you spot that in the go Terry go? Then no, 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 I, I missed it. Uh, but but I, I I'm not surprised because mm. I know you know I. I if I would have been in the arena, I would have probably been been cheering on the, the fan favorite. Yeah. However, at that same period of time, if it would say been the Freebirds Von Eric, I would have been absolutely cheering the Freebirds yeah. over the Von Erics. You know, that, so so yeah. I, I, yeah. I think totally that's the, the episode that. that comes out. Uh, so you won't have heard it yet because it isn't out. But the Freebirds are on. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, this may be on the, I get all mixed up with all these episodes, but um, the Freebirds were on a show um, maybe last week or the week before, and they were cheered out of the building and they had to cut a fairly heavy duty heel angle to get them to be yeah. booed. I always think that you shouldn't fight, I think you shouldn't fight that. I think it's, it, it's um, if the crowd's cheering somebody, go with it. If the crowd's booing someone, go with it. And it shouldn't be manipulated the other direction just for, cause that fits in, you know, you, I think, I think natural baby faces and natural heels are quite hard to come by sometimes. And like, if you've got something, go with it. I think, cause these guys could be heels in somewhere else and work face in mid South. Couldn't they easily? I know other people have Absol done that. Yeah. Absolutely. And particularly at this time 
when, you know, you, you didn't have an internet, Yeah. you know? And, and so, so absolutely, you know, you could have the, uh, talking about the Von Erich Freebirds, you could have them in New Orleans where the Freebirds were, were, you know, kind of leaning towards the, the fan favorites, but then in Dallas, you know, they'd get, they'd get their tires slashed, you, yeah. know, you know, against yep. the Von Erich. So, so yeah, you know, I, I could see easily those guys going back and forth. Yeah, definitely. So this one ended as you may expect it with, um, with Ted DiBiase, basically after several attempts, get, getting something into his glove and um, sort of wiping out Taylor and uh, in 11 20. But I thought this was, as, you know, as we said, this was a long match, unusually long match to open the show in 11 minutes and 20 seconds, but this was a really good TV match. Um, any more thoughts on uh, Taylor and DiBiase before we move on here? No, no, just just very, very enjoyable match. Uh, again, er- everything was snug, you know, watching the, you know, everything, the punches, the, the, the you know, the kicks. I mean, it, you know, I, I've heard the term uh, having air in between punches and, and things. You know, there, there was no air in between no. any of these punches. It was all snug. It was a really, really good match by both guys. Yeah, I really like this. Next up, we've got the Snowman versus Dirty Dutch Mantel. And beforehand, they recapped the match between these two last week, which included the Snowman hilariously pulling out a steel chair from underneath Eddie Gilbert as he sort of toppled to the floor. Joel said that the snowman showed incredible recuperation abilities after recovering from those chair shots. And Jim Ross managed to say with a straight face that the following match was going to be a great one when we all know that it absolutely was not with the snowman in there. <laughs> um, the snowman just got a nut. Do you remember this guy from the time? Do you ever see him live? Because he, he's been pushed. He got Muhammad Ali in the Superdome. And this crowd were dead for him, weren't they? They just didn't react to this guy whatsoever. Your, t- your babyface TV champion, nothing, I thought. Yeah, you know, I, I because I was going to the matches at this time, because I remember a lot of these matches, you know, and, and being there, like I said, the DBIC Murdoch stuff. I remember, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but a tag team feud that's about to come up. And so I remember a lot of these. So I had to have been in an arena with man. I, I just don't remember, you know, anything jumps out at me. I, I will say this because, you know, we've all kind of, kind of been been getting after him you know pretty hard this couple uh podcasts you look at him his physique he he's got a physique kind of like the junk like a, a very young junkyard dog yes the yeah. guy is put together uh, you know so i i guess from that standpoint i could see why bill watts would see this guy and think okay you know th- this could be someone to replace junkyard dog but you just cannot put a price tag on charisma no, you know, uh, you just cannot put a price tag on the charisma. And, 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 and when we start talking about Jake the snake here later on, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but, but yeah, he just, n- n- no, no real memories of him at all watching him live. Um, just he, he, he had, he had the look, but, but was lacking a lot of, a lot of other things. Yeah. I mean, his, his punches, um, I thought were, you know, as bad a set of punches as I work, you know, working punches, I, I can actually remember that. I mean, this guy made, you know, lots of people get on and we'll, we'll, we'll see the Ultimate Warrior before the end of the, you know, UWF run. Um, but everyone, lots of people get on him and how bad he was and he's a body guy. But, he, you know, it's night and day. I, I, I find it difficult because he must have been around people. I don't know whether he was someone that, you know, just didn't take didn't want the advice, couldn't, couldn't take the advice, you know, wasn't an athlete at all, just a pure body guy. But most, most body guys have 
you know, they've done something, whether it's, you know, they played your, you know, your version of football or something else, but it just, it, this guy just couldn't connect the dots here. Um, Mantel thankfully took over fairly early on in this and made it a bit more watchable, but anytime the snowman was on top, it, it was quite a tough watch. Um, an odd moment in the ref got involved to try and stop the snowman kicking Mantel in the corner uh, and Randy Anderson climbed on his back and the snowman flipped him over the top rope. Um, the two wrestlers had a clash of heads in the ring then and snowman rolled to the outside where he was met by the nightmare nightmare who drilled him with a pile driver on the concrete floor. Anderson then recovered and then counted out the snowman. And according to Ross, who knew, but the, the TV title changed an account out. I don't know if they made that up so they didn't have to pin the snowman. <laughs> but yeah, the snowman's reign of terror is over. And this was his last ever televised match in the promotion. He would do one more shot in Tulsa the following week and that was it for him until a brief Memphis run in 86. Um, what did you think of this um, snowman and Dutch Mantel TV title match here? Yeah, you know, I, I think it was a deal where you know, they, they gave it all they could. Like you said, they pushed him to the moon. They brought Muhammad Ali in for him. They, they did all of this stuff uh, and ultimately realized that, that, you know, the people, the people didn't get behind it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure the program itself, Snow, Snowman, Dutchman tell probably people might've bought some tickets, you know, because Dutch, Dutch is such a good wrestler and he was such a good heel that if for no other reason, you know, you would go to the arena and say, you know, I want to see somebody kick his tail, mm. you know, uh, particularly, you know, the way, you know, with, with the bull whip and, and, and doing some kind of edgy stuff. Uh, but 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 after a few weeks, you know, I, I think everybody agreed, OK, let's get the title off this guy and, and let's move on to the to the next phase of, of, of whoever uh, we're going to try and push. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after the break, we were into another match and in ring were Kamala and the Zambu Express teaming together and going up against Don Sanders and Glenn Holbrook, who both looked a bit confused during their ring intros that might have been nervousness. Ross said that the crowd was hush and the snowman was still unconscious, but they would update us when they had some more concrete info. And I really hope Ross used the word concrete deliberately there, given what had just <laughs> happened to the snowman. I think Ross, I don't know if he didn't like this guy, but Ross has been throwing some undercover shade at this guy for the for a few weeks talking about his work and oh he's gonna he's this is gonna be a classic match nudge nudge wink wink so i think this was another one from mr mr ross uh, by the way on the subject of jim ross and um, if you haven't checked out already Matt, uh, jim ross has got an excellent podcast about magnum ta which is really i can't recommend enough it's really really good i listened to it the other day so i would definitely go out of your way to to catch that one um Really good stuff. So during this, basically, Joel said that Duggan was supposed to wrestle today, but he wants some special stipulations and he's discussing those with the matchmaker to try and get them for next week. Um, poor Glenn Holbrook got the, the Zambu and Kamala sandwich before being finished off in 123 with the headbutt from Zambu while Kamala um, splashed Sanders at the, over the other side of the ring. Um, just a quick, uh, you know, squash match here. What did you think of um, Zambu expressing Kamala here? Yeah, it, it's kind of what you would expect. Uh, I'm, I would have liked to seen uh, Glenn Holbrook and Don Sanders' uh, faces when they got to the building and looked <laughs> yes. and, and looked looked on the uh, on the sheet and saw who they had to who they had to go against. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kamala and 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 uh, Zambui. I know you guys spoke about it uh, in the earlier ones. You know, Zambui used to be Ray Candy, so he yes. was someone who who was known. Uh, in Louisiana. And, and matter of fact, I think he and Ernie Ladd maybe uh, headlined a 
Superdome uh, way back when, um, ah, okay. you know, may, maybe late seventies, early eighties, uh, you know, main invented the Superdome. And so uh, everybody in, in New Orleans knew, knew that was Ray Candy, but uh, you know, with the new persona, but Agbar had a, had a good way of getting his heels over, and and uh, you know it was what it was, a good squash match. Yeah, this is the this is the this is the way to use certainly Kamala. I haven't seen much of Zambu, but just get him in there, smash somebody, get them out. You, we don't need to see these guys in ten minute matches, um, and then you can save that for the arena. But I think the mystique goes a little bit with these guys when. Um, you know, when they're forced to do longer stuff, I think. Um, Steve Williams versus Wendell Cooley next. And given Cooley's strong recent outings, I was quite excited by this pairing. Ross said that Cooley had a fighting heart and he really thought he was going to be a star in the future. And Joel talks about how Williams is being negatively influenced by DiBiossi and Akbar. Um, there were some good moments in this, but it only went three minutes um, and ended when Williams caught Cooley and finished him off with what's, with what, what's called a partial stampede. Um, what did you think of this Williams versus Cooley match uh, here? Well, both of these guys looked really good, uh, yeah. you know, really jacked up. And and it, it was kind of interesting because it's almost like they're trying to give uh, Cooley a little bit of a push. And then you realize, he, you know, he, he's not going to get nearly the push that, that, that Doc's going to get. Because, mm. uh, yeah, Doc finished him pretty quick. Yeah, it's strange sometimes with the, um, with the pushes of some of these guys because it doesn't – it's almost like they, they, they appear to have – some you know some you know they, they appear to think that they, these guys have got something like Wendell Cooley got a match of Ric Flair and he got you know he got quite a lot of offense in that I mean I know it's Flair and he, he would give a lot to people um but yeah it's just yeah. a bit bit strange like um Tommy Pritchard's another one like he he worked with Flair on top in Portland now he's in Mid-South and he, he's just not really getting going is he, and he, he obviously we're only seeing a tiny bit of this not seeing the arena stuff but I I, I certainly thought there was something in, in Wendell uh here but uh yeah just basically um, on the wrong end of a, a bit of a squash. And next up, we've got Jake Roberts and the Barbarian versus Terry Daniels, who actually got some booze, I thought, here. And I'm feeling more sorry for this poor guy by the week when he was a you know, pushed, pushed athlete. athlete. And now um, he's just on the wrong side of everything. And he's teaming with Frankie Lane. A Barbarian smashed poor Lane with a huge clothesline at the 32nd mark. Daniels got tagged in after just over two minutes and he had a six-move rally, including a very good-looking drop kick before he was beaten down by the Barbarian. The Barbarian hit a leg drop from the middle rope and then hooked on the full Nelson and the ref called for the belt in three minutes and 12 seconds. At the same time, Jake also DDT'd Lane. Um, another win for these two, um, who we haven't seen much of in recent weeks, but are still you know, on the ascent. What did you think of this um, Jake Robertson Barbarian versus Daniels and Frankie Lane? Yeah, uh, th this was... A example where I think sometimes these now and you, you're not living the moment you don't get the local promo yes it, it gets lost a little bit because when you watch that, the barbarian is so impressive uh, it's, it's good however if you would have went gone back in 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 1985 and watched the local promo you would be able to see that Jake the snake Roberts is clearly the star Mm. The, the the psychology in in his interviews the the his tone he was just he was whether he was on the heel side or the good guy side he was just always like he was a little bit off like he was demented and he really sold himself through the tv that this guy is somebody to reckon with no matter who he wrestled but then you watch him in the match and it's just you know not an impressive physique uh, not a whole lot of big time moves other than his finish, you know? And so, so, it, you know, that's a, that's something I think gets lost 
when people watch some of these things from the eighties and they see somebody like, like Hacksaw Duggan and they say, well, man, you know, I don't understand how he was such a big star, you know, or mm. junkyard dog, I don't, you know, cause you watch the match himself. You got to really connect the dots and watch the matches, but almost equally, or if not more important, their local promos as they tried to get people to come to the arena, because that, that was really a difference maker for Jake the snake. Yeah, because we're, we're getting, what, three quarters of the story here, I suppose, because in and out of every break, you're probably getting two promos, I guess, from from a couple of the episodes I've seen with promos in them. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a shame that someone somewhere didn't record all these with the promos in them, didn't they? But they don't they don't exist. Because I, I think, I think um, I don't know whether, what, what versions WWE Network have got, but I would have thought there'd be a lot of interest in having, you know, even if it was the New Orleans version or the, you know, the Tulsa version or whatever, Get, I'd love to see the more more of the promos, but alas, they seem to be um, lost to the to time, unfortunately. Um, next up, newcomer Al Perez was going up against Tommy Pritchard, and Perez had been a regular in Southwest Championship Wrestling in '84 um, before working some dates in Puerto Rico in early '85 before ending up in Mid South. Do you remember much about um, Mr. Perez? Uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, you know, had, had a good look, and and uh, you know he'll be getting. To- getting a full-time tag team partner here pretty soon. And, and yeah, uh, I just led to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> based on, but, but you might yeah. be able to connect the dots based on someone we might've been uh, saying some, some good things about earlier on, but we'll, uh, you'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's got, got a good look and, and, and uh, you know, he, he gets rid of Tom Pritchard pretty quickly. Like you said, Tom Pritchard is, is a star in, in, in some other territories, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah, this was really great. So, so I did a little bit of research in Perez. He had a later run in the WF in 89 and early 90, um, generally in early match situations, but I wouldn't say, you know, complete enhancement talent. And, and it did actually include a little singles run with Bret Hart around Christmas 89, which I'm sure was, was pretty memorable. And in 1991, he would team with Dory Funk Jr. of all people in the All Japan Real World Tag League. And he'd also appear a number of times for All Japan in 1993 and 1994 as well. So obviously someone that is respected for his work to be involved in, you know, competition such as that and this this was so well done so Pritchard jumped him at the bell here but after a great super kick Perez slid out slid out of an attempt at a body slam hit an incredible looking bridging high belly to back suplex and that was it for the win and this was like a Kurt Angle you know this was you know German suplex in New Japan this was a German suplex this, um, Pritchard took it incredibly and and Perez threw it really really well and that was it nine and a half seconds and this actually got a wahoo yeah yeah from Joel Watts <laughs> followed by G Wiz and uh, Ross and Ross sold this really well um saying it was just like lightning and Perez had won in record time um I thought Pritchard looked exactly like Kenny Omega here in terms of his his kind of short perm um, and he was distraught and really sold this brilliantly just fantastic presentation from start to finish and um, what did you think of this uh, mid-south debut of al perez yeah you know you you watch somebody you know taking uh in squash matches it it was way way different than 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 some of the other guys that get squashed yeah. you, you know you can tell tom pritchard was really good and 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 that's suplex goodness gracious i mean you you watch that i, I mean I mean, you're a couple of inches from breaking the guy's neck, yep. Yep. you know? And so it was so impressive uh, the way the way it was executed and and uh, and and done the right way without anybody getting injured. It was it was uh, it was impressive for sure. Yeah, great stuff. 
Uh, they replayed the Sharp Dressed Man Fantastics video, which had been on the show on the show a few times before. I can't recall if we talked about this on the show or not. But what did you think of this fantastic pun intended video here that Joel Watson put together? Well, it's interesting you ask me about that because that was literally the only thing I fast forwarded through. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen so, it about eight times now, right, so yeah, fair so, enough. Right, I've I've seen it so many times. I just uh, didn't feel the need to go through. No, it no, no. I've got a no recaps policy on this podcast. If I've watched it once, I've watched it enough times. <laughs> so in the ring, the Red Raider was decked out all in red plus and a mask plus Paul Brown. And they then showed the ladies in the crowd who were very happy about the arrival of the Fantastics. Now, I'm going to ask you something a little bit controversial here. And clearly, I've never seen this promotion on the road. But in Shreveport, it feels to me like the Fantastics get bigger reactions during this run than the Rock and Roll Express did. What was your experience with these two teams, you know, seeing them live? And what did you make of this, uh, this reaction that these guys got? That's a, that, that's a very, very good question. Um... And, you know, as we've, we've documented here, as you let me join you guys on a podcast, my memory is so foggy. Uh, <laughs> but, but I will say, if in 1985, if you asked me who were the better team, I would have said the Rock and Roll Express. Mm. So, so I guess from that standpoint, they probably came across better to me at the time. Now, over the years, I've... I've I've learned to appreciate the Fantastics much more. Um, again, I don't know the reason. Maybe it was the crowd reaction in New Orleans. Uh, maybe the Rock and Roll Express were just over. Maybe it was the opponents because, again, a lot of my experience with the Rock and Roll Express was them against the Midnight Express. And good yeah. Lord, you know, I mean, you know, uh, but, but you'll see some, some fantastic stuff later on that is – uh, legendary with the with the uh, with the sheep herders, mm. and and it's a whole different genre of wrestling when they when they go into sheep herders. So 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 I've gotten a, a newfound respect for the Fantastics on the back end. So that's a long way of answering your question. I think the Rock and Roll Express was more over, mm. but it, it could it could be a number of things. It could have been I think the Rock and Roll Express gave better promos. Again, going back to the local promos. Their opponents, when you talk about people like like the Midnight Express, those two teams just gelled as well as 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 any two teams in the history of wrestling. Mm. So, uh, you know, it, it's uh, uh, I would go with the Rock and Roll Express. But but again, that's with foggy memories and, and uh, you know, just this that. Well, this is, I mean, this is, this is based upon probably seeing them at their entrance maybe three or four times during this latest comeback. But, and it might just be demographic in this particular arena. And, and I wouldn't be surprised knowing how, you know, much of a genius uh, what Senior was, whether he instructed, you know, get the ladies in this shot, get them in this, you know, with, with the camera low down and you can see them coming down. I'm sure that was all probably orchestrated. So, and, they, and, it, and it worked. I mean, crikey, these guys were like the Beatles, weren't they, basically? They, they were well, out, well, yeah. Well, well Stephen, you make a good point. Uh, think of this. I'd have to go back and watch to be 100% certain, but Rock and Roll Express... The, the thing I remember most of the time is them fighting their way through the crowds, almost yes, like Devon yeah. Eric's 
fighting their way. You know, they might give a hug and a kiss, but they're trying to get to the ring. The Fantastics make a point of kissing every yeah. single person. Yes. You know, uh, and, and I think one of the guys said they're definitely popular with women of all ages, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so they make a point. So they really stretch that entrance out a mm. lot more than, than some of the other guys did. Yeah, definitely. They were out with some great purple cut-off robes on. Um, and there was very little TV time in this. It didn't go very long at all with the Fantastics picking up the win in 145 after a Roger splash off the middle rope. Um, what do you think of this short showcase match of the Fantastics? It, it, it was good. It was good. Uh, you know, typical uh, uh, tag team match. When I say tag team, I'm talking about those those high-end tag teams. Just a lot of tags. It, it, it was. It's funny. I remember, you know, at times watching some of these tag team matches and I'm thinking they tag so much. It's almost like they're wasting energy, you know, but it, but it does make them look like they're much more in sync than the normal tag team. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of tags, uh, you know, good work and, and, and you know, it, it was a good match for them. Yeah, absolutely. They ran the non-profit advert again, and then back at the desk, Ross said that next week Jim Duggan would be there with special stipulations, but he didn't allude to what they would, uh, what they would be. Hacksaw Butch Reed would be back after um, some time away. Um, Terry Taylor would be there, plus Brickhouse Brown and Mark Reagan would be tagging, and that's it. The July sixth, nineteen eighty-five episode of Mid South is in the books. A good and newsworthy show, I thought, with a very strong Taylor versus DiBiase TV match, and thankfully we can all sigh. Uh, a massive amount of relief in that the snowman's TV title run is over. What are your final thoughts on this week of uh, Mid-South Television? Really good show. It, it, it started, uh, you know, it's almost like they, they maybe could have flipped the, 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 uh, the card because that first match was hard to follow because that, um, that Butch Reed is coming back. So, so, so they must have backed up the Brinks truck to, uh, to Butch Reed's house and said, okay, buddy, this snowman stuff isn't going to work. How much do we need to pay you well, to, yeah. to get you back? It's interesting because Butch, Butch had been around, obviously, and he, he had that knee injury, didn't he? Just around the time that they turned him, um, turned him face. Um, but I'm just going to quickly check where he'd been. But yeah, obviously, I mean, they, they, must, have come, they must have come calling to him. Um, he'd actually been in the AWA, actually, at this point. I don't know if you have any memories of that. But yeah, he'd been AWA and also doing some shots in um, in Quebec as well for international wrestling. The old, you know, the old promotion that um, Andre the Giant, I think, was, uh, you know, pr- predominantly in in the sort of 70s. But yeah, he'd been away since April, actually, um, in the AWA. So I, I wonder how that all that will work because obviously AWA is like Mid-South wasn't an NWA promotion either but I guess there was probably you know some working arrangements and stuff but yeah that's just a bit weird isn't he that because he's a big star and obviously AWA had national TV with ESPN but then he's back so yeah strange really yeah 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 for sure Good stuff, Terry. Well, it's been great seeing you as always, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll certainly catch up in in the near future and get um, get Phil on board as well. And uh, for anyone that wants to follow Terry on Twitter, I'm going to get this right. It's at Coach underscore Canova on Twitter. There you go. I've nailed it. There you go, t- uh, Terry. So there you go. Got it right. Any final final words before right. we get out there? <laughs> Well, do you see, you see, can you see my shirt? Yeah, Terry is modeling the Mid-South, Mid-South Moments Boyd Pierce uh, t-shirt. So 
I'm trying, I, you know what? I'll, I'll stick the Ricky Morton advert on at the end because I can't remember the link off the top of my head. But if you want to get those, they're very nice. Perfect for birthdays. You know, we've just gone past Father's Day, so forget Father's Day, but Christmas is not too far away. So get get it in for your significant other. There's lots of good stuff on that Red Bubble shop. So Terry, any final final words well, from you before well, we get out and, of here? Yeah, just that the Ricky Morton promo is not gonna not gonna remember the uh the address either. You're gonna have to go to the link. Oh itself. yeah, I sat I sat <laughs> at the end Ricky actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Mr. Morton is not not too long for uh not too long for Mid South, is he? I think his final appearance is coming up relative well, a final television appearance anyway is coming up fairly soon. But Terry, thanks yeah. very much again, and we shall speak to you all again very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out. All the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid south moments. <laughs> <laughs>